Welcome back to the Bible Brush Up podcast. Today we are looking at the conclusion of the book of Judges and some of the final stories to see how this era of Israel's history wraps up. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, the nation of Israel is spiraling into moral and spiritual decay. And this is one of the things that we'll see in the story of Jephthah, Samson, and some of the other concluding Uh, events that take place in the final chapters of the book of Judges. But there are three things that I think we should look at as we analyze the book as a whole and these final events. And we see in the book of Judges a breakdown of the family. Um, I'll point some of this out as we go through these stories, but the family is being compromised, and that's something that God had already made provision for and already indicated through the teaching of the law that if they do not pass this down to their children and their children's children, then Israel will not remain in the land. The entire society will break down if the family doesn't stay strong. And the next thing we see is a breakdown of the proper modes of worship. We could call that church, but that would be anachronistic as the church doesn't come around for thousands of years. But that's more or less what's happening is they have a breakdown of their spiritual practices. And then finally, a breakdown of society as a whole, or we might just look at it from the standpoint of a political or national breakdown. And so let's take a look at some of these as they pop out in these stories. Let's go back to the story of Jephthah. We finished this uh, previous episode talking about Jephthah, but we didn't point out how the story ends. At the end of the story, Jephthah, he obtains military victory, but not before he makes a rash vow. And the Israelites weren't supposed to make vows like this, and they certainly weren't supposed to bargain with God. That's a practice that you would see from some of the surrounding countries and the way that they interacted with their deities. And that's exactly what Judges is about, is about the compromise that Israel comes under as they leave these other nations in the land, and it causes them to be drawn away from a pure, unadulterated uh, spiritual worship of God. And so Jephthah does what pagan idolaters would do, and he bargains with God and says, if you will give me the victory in this battle, then I will do this thing for you. And so he bargains with God, and his bargain is going to bite him in the butt here at the end because he makes the vow that he will offer as a burnt offering whatever comes out of his house. And then he arrives home after the military victory to find that his daughter is the first one that comes out of the house. He was expecting a chicken or a cow or something else, but no, his own daughter comes out, his only daughter. This is his only child, and now he has a decision to make. Does he go back against his agreement with God. Even idolaters wouldn't do that, and certainly people who make promises to Yahweh wouldn't do that. Uh, And so he is not going to go back on this, and because of that, she goes into the wilderness and wails her virginity and all this stuff. Some conclude that she's not really going to be burnt, but this is an offering of a person, kind of like Hannah offers up Samuel, and dedicates him to the Lord, and because of that, she's wailing her virginity because she's not going to have children, she's not going to have a family, and this is the end of Jephthah's line. Um, But I don't think that's the case, and most theologians would probably agree with me and say that, no, this is a clear picture of how bad things have gotten, is that he is actually going to practice what other nations would practice, and what some of these other idolatrous people groups would have done, and they would actually burn their own family members. If they had made a vow and said that they would do that, then they would go ahead and carry out what their commitment was uh, before that battle had taken place. 
and um, so he's going to burn her on an altar. And this is how wicked things have gotten. Um, and he thinks that he's actually honoring God when in fact he's not. So right away we have these three elements coming into play. We have a breakdown of the family. Jephthah was born from a prostitute and then burns his own daughter in a fire. It doesn't get much more dysfunctional than that. So we have the breakdown of the family. We also see the improper mode of worship. Jephthah doesn't make a burnt offering at the place of the Ark of the Covenant with the proper offerings, uh, such as sheep or goats, but rather he burns up his daughter as a form of worship, which aligns more with the worship of Molech or some of these other deities, not Yahweh, because Yahweh never allowed for human sacrifice. And it seems this practice was accepted by the society as they do not prevent it from happening, but rather just commemorate it each and every year by going into the wilderness and singing some songs and doing some dances and that kind of thing. But um, we'll move from there to the story of Samson. And Samson shows us a breakdown of the family as well, because here we have a lack of male leadership in the home. Manoah, who is the father, has to really use the mother uh, as the intermediary to go between uh, him and God. She's the one who is confronted by the angel um, both times initially, and she runs and she gets Manoah and she says, come over here, let's talk to the angel. Um, but it seems that there is not a strong male figure here in this home. And that seems to be the case throughout the land in the time of Judges. We have Deborah who has to lead uh, the Israelites into battle. We have Jael who kills the enemy Sisera. Uh, we have a woman who throws down a pot and hits a guy on the head and kills him uh, who was also an enemy in the story. And uh, we're going to have some other instances of... Um, female leadership coming up in the next uh, couple of chapters that we'll talk about here in just a minute. But this is seen here in the story of Samson as well. And Samson, though, he's going to be a very strong guy physically. He's going to be spiritually weak, and he's going to be led away by women. Women are his downfall. And so the men in this society right now are spiritually weak, and they are not able to stand up and do the right thing that God has called them to do. And certainly they are not able to stand up against idolatry, and, um, and lust is a huge issue for Samson. There are some less obvious cues that the family is struggling here that maybe you wouldn't pick up in a cursory reading of the text, but uh, Samson, on a couple of occasions— brings up that he doesn't tell his parents some things. Uh, so like he goes and he gets the honey from the dead carcass of the lion, which he's not supposed to be touching anything dead. And other Israelites that haven't taken Nazarite vow are not supposed to be eating from anything that was dead. So this would have been a sin on Samson's part and on his family's part. Um, but instead, he hides it from them. He doesn't tell them. And then he leads them to sin. So we have family members leading other family members to sin. There are other occasions where Samson says that he doesn't reveal things to his own family like when he has the riddle about the lion and the honey, and they, uh, his woman at the time inquires what the answer is, and he says, I didn't tell my parents. Why would I tell you? And so these are just little bitty nuggets that are hidden in the text that reveal that there is a breakdown of the family here. Samson intermarries with foreigners, which is something he's not allowed to do. So we see the breakdown of the family there and also a breakdown of spiritual worship because he's not supposed to be doing this. This is a sin. Um, we see him afterwards going into a prostitute, and that obviously is not something that God is looking upon favorably, and it's certainly not good for the home. It's not good for the, the spiritual worship, and it's not good for the nation, as it encourages prostitution throughout the land the more that it's used. 
And of course, we have the story of Delilah, who is also a Philistine woman. And whenever Samson inquires of his parents that he wants these Philistine women, they don't approve of it per se, but they don't bring out how sinful it is and they don't approach it from a spiritual angle. They simply suggest that there are women of his own race that he should marry. Uh, and that doesn't hold sway for him because it says that um, these women were right in his eyes, meaning they were beautiful. And I think that language is used because the entire um, theme of judges is that they did what was right in their eyes. The book concludes with that phrase multiple times. Uh, and so Samson is just going off of his pleasure meter. If it pleases him, he does it. He doesn't care what God says. He doesn't care what his parents say. He's going to defile his own nation if he has to. Whatever it takes to make him happy, that's what matters. And that's the Samson that we have here and the record we have of him. The writer of Judges is probably using a literary contrast and comparison structure to uh, look at the life of Samson as compared to, for instance, Othniel. Othniel is the first um, judge mentioned in the book, and Samson is the last judge mentioned in the book. Othniel goes in and fights giants in order to win uh, the daughter of Caleb. And so we have a man who is doing the godly thing, driving out the inhabitants of the land so that he can have a wife from his own people. Whereas Samson is doing the opposite of that. He is he is siding with and um, marrying into this foreign family. And instead of driving them out, he's marrying them and he's marrying the wrong person. And so it, the comparison and contrast there is great. Uh, Delilah might be compared to Ehud in a sense, whereas Ehud was crafty and he uses deception in order to slay Eglon, the very fat king. We have Delilah who uses deception to bring down Samson. And while Eglon was depicted as a cow, if you remember from the previous episode, we now have Samson who is less than Eglon. And I think that's the literary construct that's being used here to show how bad it's gotten in Israel. They have reduced themselves down to less than fat cows. Um, they are just completely dogs uh, at this point. He's blind. He's got nothing. He's just being led astray. In fact, he goes and he works at the mill blind. And at the mill, this would be where women worked typically. And so he's now doing women's labor because he can't do the man's task of delivering Israel from their enemies. Following the story of Samson, we have a couple of final um, events that take place in the book of Judges, and one of them is this story of Micah, who doesn't have a father figure. All it says is that he and his mother are there, and he's stolen from his mother, so we have a breakdown of the family. And uh, But once there's some reconciliation over the theft, they do something that's once again spiritually wrong is they make these idols out of the stolen goods. Rather than uh, go and make an offering to God uh, at the appropriate place through the appropriate means, they instead build these little gods, and the man takes for himself a private priest. That's not what priests are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be serving the nation. They're supposed to be making sacrifices um, based on tribal heads and things of that uh, order that have been laid out previously in the law. But now we have a private priest. He's been hired to minister on behalf of the family before these idols 
and this is a breakdown of the family. This is a breakdown of the spiritual worship, and it's going to lead into a breakdown of the society because these Ephraimites come through looking for land. They can't find any land because they haven't done the right thing and moved out the Amorites and opened up space for themselves. And so as they're coming through, they take this man's possessions, they take this man's priest, they take this man's idols and some of his um, family, and they go off with it. And I'm like, if you had the strength to do that, why didn't you drive out the enemies? Why didn't you drive out the people that were inhabiting the land and take that land? But they don't want that. They don't want to fight them, but they will fight their own people. And what they end up doing is going up to a place called Dan that's named Dan. Now, you're going to need a Bible atlas for this one because whereas Dan is supposed to be down south and west along the Mediterranean, what they end up doing, this group of people, they take this man's goods and they threaten his life and they end up moving way up north into the land of Naphtali and up there at the uh, ford of a river that uh, is north of the Sea of Galilee, they end up establishing a town called Dan. But it's not in their allotment. It's not in Dan's land allotment. And so they're actually stealing land from another tribe rather than driving out the enemies in their own allotment. And so we see the breakdown of the nation. We see the breakdown of the family. We see the breakdown of proper worship here. And the final story is the story of the Levite and his concubine. And we see a breakdown of the family right away because his woman, his concubine, uh, which is not a prostitute, if you don't know this, concubine is sort of a second status wife, um, but she runs away. And she doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. So we see this lack of marital devotion as she runs back to her father's house. There's not the leave and cleave mentality that is supposed to exist there among Israelites. But after him going and staying in her father's house, uh, which seems like something that is not to be normal, um, but after a time, he finally mans up and says, no, we're going home. And he takes her with him. And he kind of tries to do the right thing. He doesn't want to live in or stay with any of these foreign uh, people that are in the land, which as you read the story, it's like he has to navigate all these different places, uh, which reminds us that they have not yet done the job of driving out the inhabitants of the land. So we see this breakdown of the nation. We see this breakdown of spiritual worship. Um, and we've already seen the breakdown of the family. He ends up staying in a place in uh, Gibeah. And while there, he has extended some generosity and hospitality. And while he's staying at this particular place, though, the men of the town really replicate the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. They show up and they want to have this man. They want to rape him and they want to kill him. And that's exactly the same type of language that was used back in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis. But now um, the host says, no, please don't take him, take his concubine. He throws his concubine out there and they rape her until she's dead. And so then he cuts her into pieces, sends it out as a sign to the various tribes that there has been evil done. And so they come bearing arms, which I guess is good in this scenario that they would at least respond and view this as a negative thing. I think for one, they're just completely repulsed at the idea that they got a, an appendage in the mail. But now they come ready to bear arms and ready to kill. And they, in fact, there is a civil war that breaks out. So we see this breakdown of the nation and um, just everything has gone wrong here in the book of Judges. They need help. And the reason is, is because they continue to do what's right in their own eyes and there's no king in the land. 
but we're getting there. We're about to see the king come, and uh, we'll look at that more next time on the Bible Brush Up Podcast.